Well, good evening. We are in the, actually going to be spending a little bit of time in First Timothy tonight, so, um, and also likely finishing up the lesson. Uh, our lessons here, we've begun looking at the book of First Timothy, and it is intended as a survey, and this lesson, the last part of it here, is a survey of a survey. In, in a sense, in trying to introduce the, the topics of this, uh, of this book. So let's go ahead and open with 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if it tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. For these lessons here, for our study, for our time here with you in the middle of, of the week, Lord, to just gather around your word, to be refreshed, uh, Lord, to continue on. We think, too, of this week, too, uh, just in remembrance of what you had come to do is uh, in, that, in times past, two years, 2,000 years ago, in fulfilling the promise of, of coming and giving your life as a sacrifice for the sins of many, Lord, that uh, that we can know salvation. We can know that we have a home in heaven, Lord, by your sacrifice on the cross and your rising again. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for these lessons here. I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. All right, so we've been in... Uh, Bullet item two here, a leader is developed. We've looked at leadership chosen, leadership groomed, and that's where we're at tonight, on leadership groomed, and we'll be moving into bullet item three as well. So something I wanted to maybe make a little bit clear from last week, um, I had said that, you know, we are one generation removed from Christianity disappearing. Well, that's not completely true. I think its influence might be diminished, not completely disappearing, but God has a remnant in all ages at all times. And in that sense, God will persevere in the lives of a remnant here. In, a, in ways that we see the diminishing of Christianity today, um, it is sad. It is not, um, not surprising in a way. Uh, there would be a falling away, and Christ even himself wondered if there would be, if he, when he returned, if he would find faith on the earth. Um, I'm encouraged every day that I have a risen Savior, Amen. that um, that He's coming again, and I'm looking forward to that day. So there has always been a believing remnant, and there always will be until He returns. All right, so let's move into leadership groomed. And this is, uh, the passage is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We'll come to that in a little while. So no need to turn there at the moment. But Paul began to invest his life into Timothy in order to equip him to live for the Lord and serve him. So Paul likely was the one who saw Timothy saved. Witnessed whom, preached to him the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. Timothy believed and Paul was discipling him. The books of 1st and 2nd Timothy record this continuing development process of the wise experience Paul mentoring his understudy on how to handle the issues of the ministry. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy 
and in first timothy chapter 1 verse 2 i paul calls him my own son in the faith so we're not able to we're going to, we're going to look at uh, the book of philippians also chapter 2 so we're not able to fix a certain date to the book of philippians it's it's debated on whether whether you whether you uh, understand there to be um, one or two imprisonments when it occurs the fixed date i'm not sure is necessarily known but it's it's thought to, or it's thought to be one of his prison epistles so consider what paul has to say about timothy in chapter 2 verses 19 through 23 verse 19 but i trust in the lord jesus to send timotheus shortly unto you so that i also may be of good comfort when i know your state for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Speaking of Timothy there. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Question number 14 in your books. Paul has a lot of care for Timothy. But in this, in this, in this passage here in Philippians, uh, how does Paul describe Timothy? Anybody have an idea? Well, in contrast to others that Paul puts out there, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, with the exception of Timothy that Timothy cares for others, that Timothy seeks the things of Christ in contrast to those that seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. So again, we're getting the, the comparison and contrast between those that are just in it for me. Am I in this ministry for me or am I in it for the Lord Jesus Christ? And that's a question to consider. I mean, what is, what is the purpose of fellowshipping together to be attending a church, a Bible-believing church? Is it to lift myself up? There are many examples of pastors that you see on TV, and we could name a slew of them, which it's painfully obvious to those that understand what Scripture has to say, that are they there for Jesus Christ? Or are they there for themselves to, to lift themselves up, puff themselves up, or to lift up and glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ? It's, it's obvious to anyone filled with the Spirit, trusting in the Lord, uh, and right with him that these are charlatans. But Timothy is not one of them. We also see that he humbly served with Paul. Right? This, is, this is a position of, well, I'm, I've gotten to the point where now I can break out on my own, and, and now I can go, and I, and again, the I word central in the word pride uh, but no that was not Timothy he humbly served with Paul in the gospel maybe you could say there's an example too of a father and son business so say you own a hardware store as, as the father in the business and your son or sons come up and you might say it's now the young and sons <laughs> and again if you say it a little too fast youngins, all this but or the, the, the Johnson and Sons hardware store, right? It is, the father is 
guiding his sons from a young age that maybe one of them might take over the family business. Uh, that's been a, a common thing that's occurred. But you're guiding and leading and teaching and leading by example. You're mentoring your sons or those that will come after you, as Paul is doing here with Timothy, mentoring those that come after him so that they might carry on the business of God, the work of God. In the book of Luke, Jesus has a few things to say. Chapter 6, verse 39, Jesus speaking a parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Verse 40, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. So consider what's being said here. He's speaking of those that are the religious leaders there that they have disciples after themselves that are following after them and what they're teaching. But these disciples can only ever attain that, imperf- that level of imperfection that, the, that these uh, religious leaders have. They don't have the entire truth. They don't have uh, everything that's there. So that the disciple who follows after them cannot attain to mastery of, of, uh, of drawing close to God or the full, complete understanding of God. So the disciple can only know as much or be as good as his master. Consider the master an apprentice in the field of maybe blacksmithing. Someone who's out in times past uh, would be banging on an anvil with a hammer and have a forge and have uh, a bellows. I mean, if we're talking really old old stuff, uh, or even a pile of charcoal covered in earth to begin to smelt uh, and all of these different things. The blacksmith... Consider maybe a blacksmith operating in ancient Japan in the age of the samurai where crafting a sword was the pinnacle of the profession. The sword, if it wasn't constructed properly, if if the impurities weren't beaten out of it in the correct way, if the metal was not folded, if it was not tempered properly, would never hold an edge and might even shatter in the user's hand. If a master only mastered to this level of imperfection, they would produce insufficient work. Something that is substandard would not last, is, is, is incomplete. When this apprenticeship is finished, the apprentice will know as much as the master, which isn't a whole lot. But if the master knows, <clears throat> but if the, what the master knows is substandard, then his student's work will continue to be substandard. In this, in this instance, again, you only raise to that level of knowledge of the master. And progression of time doesn't make it any better either. It's like, well, I've been banging on this thing, and they keep breaking, and I keep banging on this thing, and they keep breaking, and it's nothing changes, right? The, the definition of in, insanity, if you continue to do the same thing over and over uh, and, and expect a different result, and it doesn't come, uh, that's the definition of insanity. But consider 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, Paul speaking here, even as I also am of Christ. So what are we seeing here? Well, consider here that Paul is teaching the Corinthians. Jesus is the ultimate master, and Paul was his disciple. So if we consider the apprenticeship of Paul and the mentorship of Jesus Christ to him, the level of mastery that that the apostle paul could now raise to is at a much 
higher level. Again, we're not perfect, not this side of glory, and it's unclear to me how how much that will attain will attain to. Um, we'll be as Christ, or we'll see him as he is. Um, but we will know. But uh, but according to if we consider his scriptures that we have today, read them, trust them, uh, grow in, in uh, learnings and teachings from other believers around us, we can again draw closer to Christ, draw closer to that Master. So Paul cannot be greater than Christ is the important part here, right? With Christ being the Master, Jesus being the Master, and Paul being his apprentice in a way cannot be greater than Christ. But he can reach toward the goal of being Christ-like in his life, as each of us can these days. Also, Paul can be seen as a master to others with whom he disciples, and I think that's the point here. I'm, if Paul is saying here, you're, you should follow after me because the things I'm doing are according to Christ. I'm following after and doing the things and, and with the, the knowledge, the the wisdom of Christ that I have, if you follow along with that, it's, a, it's going to be a good thing. Now, I, I want to caution you, too, that there are those out there that will teach things that, and, and they can go off on complete tangents, and there can be thousands of them, and they can be godly men, but they can also be very wrong on certain doctrines as well. So the key point here in saying that is that yes we can follow after a godly spiritual person women after women men after men that that can lead us and, and help us grow closer to Christ but we have to be able to discern are we actually drawing closer to Christ through their leadership or their mentorship the key point being that the word of God is the arbiter of truth it's the final authority so if what's being taught, what's being mentored, what's being received as a disciple doesn't agree with the word of God and what it says, well, then it's, it's, uh, it's no good, right? It's bad doctrine. So the word of God is the arbiter of truth to determine if a person in leadership role is humbly following after Christ. And that's the important part. Is it about me? Is it about my pride that I can gather disciples under myself? Or is it about the Lord Jesus Christ? And the godly Christian following after Christ will point to him. It's not me. It's Christ. So as Timothy learned and proved himself, Paul began to gradually turn over ministry responsibilities to him. Paul intended for Timothy to mature and in turn invest his life into others who eventually would do the same and still others. This is a continuation process, right, of mentorship and discipleship. A person, you witness to them, you share the gospel with them, the Holy Spirit convicts them, and they trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's awesome. That's the best thing. What better is there than that? To know that you have salvation, your sins are forgiven. Well, that's not the end of the story, right? We don't just come to salvation. I think I used the analogy last week, and I have poor hands and suits don't help because I can't articulate my arms very well. But the analogy being that in our past life, we lived for ourselves, and God was drawing us to a point, decision, where we choose, we have the choice now to either accept or reject Christ. If we reject him, we can come back, back and forth, back into depravity, 
that's the inst instance here, back into depravity. But then maybe God is still drawing us and maybe he will give us another chance. That's not certain. <clears throat> after that, though, after returning to that point of salvation, you've made the decision, there is no going back. You're a child of God at this point. And going forward, you grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ after that. But then again, that's how much we are yielded to the Spirit of God. And that again is a part where we are still saved, but how close to Christ are we at this point? I think I mentioned it to maybe someone recently, um, and I've mentioned it here before too. So going to Penn State and knowing all about Penn State football, Joe Paterno was coach for more than 50 years there. And, he had a phrase that was brought out um, that he would say to his players in the context of football, but more importantly in life, and I would say truly applicable to the Christian life as well. Each day, and I'm par probably paraphrasing here, but each day you are either getting better or you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. And that choice is up to you. In your Christian life, you're either getting closer to Christ or you're drawing away from him. That choice is up to you. Okay, so in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, there, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach also. Just summarizing that. Um, just to say not to dive down the rabbit hole at, at all. I'm going to save that because this is a series of lessons going verse by verse through the, uh, the Bible, uh, through the book of First Timothy. There's some interesting commentary positions on this that uh, maybe will get drawn out here, but uh, in what they have to say here. So that's all I'll say about that, and uh, to be continued on... Uh, that if when if and when we get to chapter two or uh, book two of uh, Timothy, so the mentoring method that our Lord initiated with his disciples was his plan for leadership development. This plan continues to be God's plan for grooming leaders in the church today. Right? It's it's you you get saved, and then you're discipled, and you grow into a position where you can be the mentor and help disciple others at that point. All right, moving on to bullet item three here. And now we're going to go into our text, uh, 1 Timothy, and we're going to highlight a few of the key points of the doctrine, doctrinal uh, teachings that the Apostle Paul is having here. So pastor and people are counsel. Let's see what we got here. Okay, we'll probably skip all that extra stuff back there too. But So one advantage of having a trusted mentor is the availability of wise advice when problems arise. Timothy and the church at Ephesus were fortunate to have access to Paul's knowledge, you know, and even all the rest of the churches in, in Asia there uh, that Paul traveled around to ministering. Uh, a man who had walked with Jesus Christ, who had been taught with him by him personally. Again, the other apostles are out ministering in, in other capacities and other regions, many of them in Jerusalem. And this, you know, to have somebody who directly first-hand knowledge of a thing. Amazing time to be alive. We live in amazing and interesting times too. Um, so verse, uh, 1 Timothy, all these are in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. 
will be a key point. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. So some were departing from the comprehensive explanation or uh, comprehensive explanation of scripture into teaching that was outside of the Bible, right? This is, this, is a hard, this is an easy thing to do, I should say. Hard thing not to do is to say, oh, wow, what about the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Barnabas or some other apocryphal things? Or what about this History Channel docu- documentary on this? What did, right, that's, that's, a, that's a beacon of uh, truth there, History Channel documentaries. I'll just, I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, especially when I speak of biblical things. It's like, yeah, you're wrong here and here and here. That's not according to this scripture and this scripture and that scripture. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's so easy to get outside of the word of God and looking for truth. But, right, you go to the Bible and you believe what you find there, not to find what you believe. All right, verse 7. These will progress along through the entire book of First Timothy, but the very next verse, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Now, others wanted to be teachers here, but did not have a good grasp of the word of God. So I want to get up there. What was their motivation for that? Maybe it was, you know, I look, this guy's up there teaching. He's the important person. I want to be the important person. Again, that I word that comes up. Uh, another one here chapter 2 verse 8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting now here again lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting this implies that there were ungodly men who were preaching that they were angry bring down the thunder on so and so because they cheated me so many odd shekels for or in this case, uh, oh, starts with a D, the denaria, denaria uh, the Roman currency, uh, maybe more applicable in this in this case here. But they've cheated me out of this. God strike them down for that. Um, I pray that you do that. No, that, so that's implying that that might have been going on. Uh, the next two verses here, verses 9 and 10, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So here implying too that some women were more concerned with what they wore and how their hair looked than with godly character. And the stereotype is of a southern uh, lady going to church, right? With the, or even an English lady, I guess they have in, in Britain, have an uh, uh, affinity for large hats and feathers sticking out of them. But just some gaudy apparel to just say, look at me, how well I'm dressed, or I have all these shiny earrings. Like it's, again, the beauty of, uh, of women is not in their apparel, it's in the spirit. That, that they have toward the Lord? Is it a godly spirit that they have? Verse 12, chapter 2. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a, the men, but to be in silence. 
And again here, women were trying to usurp authority from men and were speaking about inappropriate matters. And we see that all the time here. Uh, teaching in church, being the pastors of church. We'll see qualifications later for pastors and deacons that we don't find that they are women. Uh, husband of one wife qualification. But I'll add to this one too, just briefly without stepping on any future toes, that uh, this was allowed to happen because there were weak men in the church that allowed it to happen. So a church that allows a woman to be a pastor is a weak church. It is not a church grounded in the word of God, not understanding uh, uh, what it has to say about who should be the leaders of the church. And then the men of that church are just weak, weak sauce. They're not they're not Bible believing, believing what the Bible has to say. And again, it's not a something I'll get into again right now. We'll let that for a later time. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, nor greedy, nor filter, filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. In verse 6, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, he... Deacons must be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let those first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. So, again here, this is listing out a lot of character traits for qualifications to be a leader in the church, to be a bishop, to be an elder, to be a pastor, and secondary, secondly, the, the office of deacon. So again, addressing the, the men whose character was not godly that desired positions in leadership. This is what, what's qualified here. If you, don't li- if you don't meet this list, you don't qualify according to what God has to say about it. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received, and thanks with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And again here, there's, they're teaching false doctrine, teaching demonic doctrines, refusing to, to marry. And this is a case we went through uh, just a brief overview of Gnosticism 
and, and these were some of the traits that were found in Gnosticism. And if you look here, some of these characteristics persist in religions today that call themselves Christian as well, refusing to marry. Uh, and we'll just let it be there. We'll touch on those later. Verse 12, chapter 4. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So again, what might have been occurring here was that not all the older or the elder believers in the church were respecting their young pastor. And again, God raises up men, and it's not that, uh, how to put this, you can't have a gray-haired pastor forever. Eventually God will take them home. And gray-haired pastors started someplace as young pastors. So encouraging them to respect those that are in authority, no matter what their age is. Again, we can have those that may be older, and again, spiritual, uh, spiritual maturity as well. Brothers in Christ that are newly saved as in their later years. Yes, they have age as an authority and a, a position of respect among people. But they may not be the most spiritually uh, mature at that point. Whereas you could have somebody who is much younger be much more spiritually mature and, and be able to lead and teach in that role. So in this case, age, not really a factor here. Shouldn't be to a church that's following after Christ. First Timothy 5, 6, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And again, women living for sensual pleasure. If, if this life is the, your best life now, if this is all as good as it gets, well, then you have your reward in that sense. Verse 13, And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. And in this case, idle women were going from house to house, sharing juicy gossip and spreading uh, dissension. And we didn't get to it this time, uh, it just didn't work out, but the, the um, things were, words are escaping me, the, uh, the lesson where you read a small little blurb has a few questions at the end of it, the case study. So the case study was dealing with something like this, where there was gossip in the church of where peop somebody was unhappy. Um, oh, th the idea was that, you know, church uh, ties were down, church income was down, and somebody heard a rumor that so-and-so was dissatisfied with what the pastor had taught, had been teaching on recently, and they decided out of spite to withhold their tithe check. And there was, again problems there. It's a problem in your heart if you're withholding that. God's speaking to you and if your toes are stepped on, there's a reason for it. You want to understand what it is and correct that issue. Uh, not withholding tie checks for that. The But then the gossip aspect of it, of two, of just, well, I know somebody who's who deals with the finances and they could probably, I could probably get out of them who who it is like just again this gossip of trying to figure out where the this issue is multiple fronts multiple levels of uh, just unspiritual behavior ungodly behavior uh, and as example as 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 Paul was addressing here verse 20 them that sin rebuke before all and uh, that others may also fear 
So the el some elders might have been har harboring sin in their lives. You know, make that public. Rebuke it publicly. Address it. And then just to make sure that people are serious about this. I saw a video clip today. I think uh, Polk County, Florida. Is that in the north someplace? Okay, so Polk County, Florida. There was a sheriff who in the last week had an investigation of where three of his sheriff deputies had stolen money from a suspect. And this money, they had bungled it completely. They wrote out a report and they said they, they recovered a large amount of cash and some drugs. They turned the drugs into the property uh, place, but never turned any money. And then they're all back and forth, like the three of them are trying to figure out like, well, how are we gonna get around this? They're all trying to connive and, and uh, try to make this out. Well, their sin was found out. The, uh, the sheriff got up, lined a lectern similar to this, held a, a wide picture of all three of their photographs and said, this guy, this guy, and this guy didn't listen to what we had to say as far as how you behave as a sheriff's deputy. There's a great responsibility in that. And in this case, the leadership of the church, there's a great responsibility as well. So 1 Timothy 6, oh, by the way, they were arrested and they went to jail. So... It's not that, it, that police officers or those that are in law enforcement are above, uh, above committing crime. It happens due to our fallen nature. All right, so chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet coveteth after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows and in this case we see that some people might have been caught up in materialism well let's see if I can get the latest buggy and you know there's some really good horses over here that I can use to pull it and well I guess it was a chariot I'm thinking buggies are things that the Amish drive around um, the yeah but it's it's all about what i can get i mean can i get as much as i can put it in a can sit on a can uh caught up in materialism and neglecting serving the lord well my business i need to focus on that for a little bit i i just need to get a little bit more here and then i'll be satisfied with that let me tell you something from experience that doesn't work you'll never have enough you can never earn enough. You can never receive enough. You can never, you can never have enough. Enough money, enough stuff, enough anything. It is certain that nearly every church will face problems at times. And what's needed on those occasions is the wise instruction of God's word. And the humble response of the church family to those guidelines right a, a humble spirit a humble heart toward the Lord and what he's saying what he says in his word uh, infinitely better than trying to cover up anything any dissension right if we all have a humble spirit focused on Christ God honoring the majority of the problems that we have aren't big problems. I've heard some here say that there have been church splits over uh, the color of a carpet 
in the church. Well, we don't want this color or some, some others that I know that have split, whole denominations have split over whether you can have a kitchen in your church at all for potlucks, okay? Is that really the issue? I mean, if we're all, if we're all humble, be able to give up, well, I'm actually satisfied here at least. We have, I like the color of the carpet here myself. Um, but if it were red or if it were polka dots, it wouldn't matter so much to me because the word of God is taught here and that's the most important part that we can go to a place to have the word of God taught faithfully preached our surroundings this is all luxury if we read about what some of our, our missionaries have I think of the the Herzls in Vanuatu have basically a pole shed with the roof over the top that's a luxury in that area in, in the uh, South Pacific. This is a luxury here to have this place. In a humble response of the church family to those guidelines will, I mean, I, I won't say the problems will never arise, but the probability of them arising, very low at that point. If the entire church body is, is aligned with what the word of God has to say, these things melt away. First Timothy, again, in summarizing kind of this first introduction lesson here and about maybe what the, the book of First Timothy is about here. First Timothy 3, 14 and 15 again. These things write out unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Purpose of the book of First Timothy. So having Paul's inspired letter to Timothy certainly provides valuable guidance to both the church in his day and the church in our day too. I'm thankful for it. We have, uh, we have the preserved, infallible, inerrant word of God with us that we can, we can uh, we judge everything, matters of faith and practice against it, that God has done a wonderful miracle in preserving the scripture for us. Don't take that lightly. All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our evening here tonight, Lord, for these lessons here that we are beginning in the book of First Timothy. Lord, I pray for upcoming lessons, Lord, that you would speak to us, help us to draw closer to you, learn from these authoritative teachings here uh, in the book of First Timothy and the rest, the remainder and the rest of your word. Lord, to help guide us in the way that we should go. Pray that you would continue to just walk with us as we walk with you for this week. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.